0: We have made it to eh, not quite the middle of Galatians chapter three. This is an amazing book. If you're you're just joining us, let's catch you up with the plot. We are doing the books of the New Testament in the order they were written and having a great time, grand time. Uh, We did first Thessalonians. Now we're in Galatians. So we can see the the doctrine as it rolls out until this time the scriptures, and by the way, every time these books refer to the scriptures, they're referring to what you and I would call the Old Testament, because obviously these books are being written or will be written, and so all the scriptures these people have, those of them that have any access at all, will be the Old Testament scriptures. So how do we deal with the new books coming? There's a new kid in town. These these new books are hitting the street, and you understand it. Almost nobody has access to these at this stage. And there's only one out there, and this one's coming. But when they roll out, this is gonna be a huge adjustment. Yesterday, I was going through a periodical uh, that is posted every month to uh, members of the religious tribe in which I was raised. And well, only those that subscribe or ask for it. Well, we we didn't have an official um, paper. But there were, there was a whole page of uh, ads looking for a preacher, and that's not uncommon. And we were reading through them, my wife and I, last night, just some of them were shaking our heads, and it's the tiny churches, but they're all demanding that somebody come and do it the way we've always done it. And I just go, oh man, one ad kind of broke my heart, because I think it was sincere, but a It said that we're a tiny church. I forget the number. It's like 50, 60 people. And that over half of the people were over 60. And we're looking for a young man to come to bring in young people. Well, a young fella coming doesn't bring in young people unless the older people are willing for a host of changes to be made and for them to let loose of control. Uh, It's already in my plans. I'm 64. I would love to work another six years Uh, with our safe harbor church and during that time build up other people to where you won't even miss me whenever i start fading away and and that can be done and i insist that i plan for others now and when they come in they're not going to be patrick 2.0 or 3.0 they're going to be them and there will be changes and some of them would be changes that i wouldn't be comfortable with and that i wouldn't do and my job at that time is to shut up and let god do what he wants to do then and we're we have seen so many preachers busted and burned because somebody wanted to make a slight change and boom they'll say well we want the the younger people to come in but we want them to come in to our standards and believe what we believe and do what we've always done and then they wonder why they're not growing or they'll just blame society you know people just don't like the truth today people are searching. I think our Safe Harbor Church is evident proof of that. Well, there's gonna be huge changes. And so the book of Galatians is trying to lay some theology out to get ahead of the changes so that the people will be able to make the changes from a Jewish religion to a religion that's still Jewish, but it's also Gentile, it is worldwide, That's a huge jump. So here we go. Galatians chapter three, the first six verses emphasize that we are saved by faith, not by our pristine, precision, obedience to a law. We're saved by our faith and and finished that section verse six with a, uh, an amazing passage I've always loved. So Abraham believed and it was counted as if he were righteous. In the older versions, it was imputed unto him as righteousness. And since most people don't use the word imputed anymore, uh, more of the modern versions are trying to get that flavor. Of he believed, so God considered him righteous. Same way that my grands love me, so I consider them perfect. It doesn't matter that the chairs are sticky after they leave, it doesn't matter there are handprints or that I'm stepping on random Hot Wheels cars or uh, Legos. It doesn't matter they love me so they are it, perfection is imputed unto them well if I can love my grands that much God can love you a lot more because he's better at the love business than I am Galatians chapter 3 then let's get the theology laid out starting at verse 7 understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham I mean that was a whole that was a whole bragging point that the Jews would use it was a We are children of Abraham and Paul here is saying, anybody who believes in Jesus as the son of God is a child of Abraham. This was a hammer blow to the forehead. This was an electric charge. This, this was terrifying, but Paul's trying to let them see. God did not come to the planet to save one body of people. He loves those people. And he will always love those people. And his love for them will not be lessened. It's kind of like when when mom and dad come to the little kid and say, once you start thinking happy thoughts about having a little brother or a little sister, and they'll even frame it a different way. You're gonna be a big brother. You're gonna be a big sister. Paul's having to do the same thing because God is going to be adopting a lot of people you might even look upon it in um, storytelling ways as there's this river is going to be joined by another river but god planned that and now you're all going to be in the same river commingling with each other because all of you are loved by god you know that's a beautiful thing but it's also highly offensive if you're used to being an exclusive group and you have standards and law. And these people coming in just have faith. How are we gonna work with this? Well, Paul's gotta help them understand what happens to the law and what the law's there for and this brave new world we find ourselves in in the first century. So he goes, Scripture for Saul, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. And he did. Most of the Jews believed that that meant that the Jews would be doing so much good work that the world would eventually be blessed through them. And God was actually aiming higher and that he wanted the Jews and the Gentiles to all be brought under one umbrella of faith and that That blesses the entire world. Plus, the whole world was blessed by the Jews in another major way, and I probably should have mentioned it first. Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. He was born in Jewish families. He had Jewish genetics if we ever checked it, which we can't. He took his body with him, so we can't do that. But if we did, it'd be Jewish. And so through Jesus, yes, the entire world is blessed. Moving on. Uh, We we really would like to finish Galatians, wouldn't we? But it's not gonna be today and probably not gonna be next week. And please stay tuned at the very end. I'm gonna tell you about some things we're planning that I think you're gonna like and I would really like for you to tune into. Um, All nations will be blessed for you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, a man of faith. We have a faith story and we're building a faith river. And all of these tributaries and streams and rivers that are coming into it are all integral to this story of faith. And so you look around and you see different churches and you're going, oh, I don't don't, know how, I'm not. They're all rivers of faith. Let's trust God here. Let's trust the love of God and let's trust that he will accept others as he has accepted us through faith, not by law and perfection. That's the whole point of Galatians. It is amazing what we do to Galatians to miss that point. It goes, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. What? As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue. Oh, who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Wow. That's um, that's pretty terrifying right there. That's Deuteronomy 27, 26, but it's, it's terrifying. The first bit. Everybody who uh, relies upon the law to uh, to show that they are perfect, pristine before God are under a curse. Because in Deuteronomy 27, it says, you're not going to do it nobody is going to be able to follow the law perfectly and that is correct this is this sentiment is echoed again in the epistles of John whenever he he says if you say you're without sin you're a liar we've all sinned law will not fix our sin we cannot call upon our pretty good uh, obedience to the law to save us if a state trooper pulls you over and has given you a ticket and you, you say, wait, you know, I've been driving for 40 years. I've never had a ticket before. They'll normally say something like, well, now you do. They don't say, well, you know, you did pretty well. So we're gonna give you this one, call you not guilty. You can't even, if they say, we caught you going 20 miles over the limit. You can't say, but I was going 20 miles under the limit yesterday. So on average, doesn't work. And it doesn't work with anything. If you go to the bank and say, I didn't pay my mortgage this week, but um, I've been paying it really, really well. So I think we can all agree just to skip this. No, law is there to show us something. This is how you should behave and you're not measuring up. That's what law really does clearly no one who relies on the law this is verse 11 is justified before god because the righteous will live by faith now paul does this and at times it can get a little head snappingly confusing no one is justified by law because and you expect him then to make a um, a series of logic statements but instead he grabs a quotation out of habakkuk if you're looking in the Old Testament, it, it's, it looks like Habakkuk, but he's looking for Habakkuk in chapter, chapter two in verse four Just grabs that righteous people live by faith. By the way, James, the brother of Christ, used the same passage. It seems to be a massively important sentence if it keeps showing up in the early books like this. The righteous live by faith. In verse 12, the law is not based on faith, on the contrary it says the person who does these things will live by them once again he is grabbing a passage this time leviticus 18. Uh, and, and again i really you know paul should come with footnotes and um but then again ink and paper he had to, he had to use what he had at the time christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us what for is written cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole Uh, Some versions say hung on a tree. It's it's the same concept. Deuteronomy 21. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now this is a very elaborate and elegant phrasing, and I'm not going to get into the deep theology here, although um, it is possible that one of the links on our website, uh, website, oursafeharbor.com. If you've not gone there, please go there. You'll see links to talks by Jack Abel's. You'll see links to talks, uh, classes by Moret Jorgensen. And um, I think Moret would do a really good job with this passage. And I think she would do a, an excellent unfolding, a gentle unfolding of this. Uh, that's not our job here today with me. We're, we're, we're doing flyovers of these. So you can go very, very deep, but here's the point. God's bringing in another river. Jewish people, you really didn't get here by faith. I'm sorry, by obedience to the law, because none of you kept it perfectly. And we can all agree that that's not because they're Jews, it's because they're people. And people don't keep law perfectly, even when they really, 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 really try. So, since faith brought you this way, God's bringing other people in, through faith they're not going to have the law that you had they're not going to have all of that background that you had things are going to be different it's it's that's that same talk you're having with your four-year-old when mama's pregnant again he's going to use an example brothers and sisters verse 15 let me take an example from everyday life Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that's been duly established, so it is in this case, like your mortgage, right? The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but to you and your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years ago does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it's no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Now, I think it's completely understandable. We'll just rush forward now. No, I won't do that to you. He's saying, all right, kids, God didn't intend to save people groups and keep them as people groups. He intended for us to all be in one family. So it's not gonna be seeds, it's gonna be seed. And in particular, Paul then uses this lawyerese language, and he was a lawyer, uh, to say, and this seed doesn't even mean all the peoples. God's bringing Abraham's seed, and that is Christ. Now this is really important that we understand this, or this book becomes really obtuse and, and opaque, right? You know, there's Russian Kachinka dolls um, that they're nesting dolls. And there's a doll and you open up and there's a doll just like it, but smaller. You open it up, there's a doll just like it, but smaller. And I, I always thought those were fascinating when I was a boy. And my dad actually brought one home from uh, the Soviet Union one time. And I was just going, this, this is amazing. Uh, we didn't have the internet back then, kids. So that's the way people thought biology worked therefore all the kids that would ever come out of Abraham were in Abraham in his seed, not in some metaphysical sense, but physical sense. So that's why, for example, when Jesus speaks of Abraham uh, referring to the Messiah as Lord, he says, and he was talking about me, and people were going, you were still in him and he was calling you Lord, because fathers and sons, you know, father's the top guy that's in their system. This was all so grained into them that Paul then says, all right, out of Abraham came Christ. And everybody who follows Christ and believes in Christ, it's the belief he's going here more than the following of the law. Those who believe in Christ are Christ kids. And if you are God's kids, then they are God's kids because they're all coming from the same place. This made brilliant sense to them because this was their concept of biology and this was their life. It confuses us because none of the above is true for us. All right. We don't think of biology that way. We don't think of life that way, but this is truth. God has brought us into the same family and we need to feel good about the other members. Why then? And Oh, I need that, that little inheritance thing he's talking about. Um, my my children aren't looking for a huge inheritance out of me and I'm not looking for a penny out my mom. Why? Because I didn't earn it. Uh, And it should be spent on her and they don't look upon anything I own as their possession. However, Let's say I had land. Let's say I had 40 acres and then somebody gave it to our Safe Harbor Church and uh, then they gave me a 40 acre site and they said, this will be yours and your family's into perpetuity. All right, great. Now, I have the land and I, I I leave it to my daughter, let's say. Let's say my son doesn't want it, so I leave it to my daughter. As I read in the will, uh, there are not gonna be a bunch of codicils added to the end of. And he died. And the land is now yours, Kara. If, did you behave? You've been going to church regularly? You've been doing nice things? No, he says an inheritance is a promise and the promise was made before the law. Therefore, it supersedes the law. Now in law, this is the way it works as well. Once you have a law, then we have to look back for precedent. Tennessee has a real issue with this right now. I drive a slingshot. We'll talk more about that in a bit because that's part of the upcoming events. Now, that's a, looks like Batman. It has two wheels in front and one big back one. It's not a motorcycle. We sit side by side. But it's an open vehicle. And it has amazing roll bars on it. But Tennessee doesn't know what to do with it. Uh, Federal law calls it an auto cycle. And so now does Tennessee state law and auto cycles don't, you don't have to wear a helmet. And there's a safety reason for that because if you hit and you're belted in the car, the helmet, it'll kill you. We found that out in NASCAR, didn't you? Um, But the law, they still put a motorcycle tag on it. So here's the upshot. Some troopers will pull you over and give you a ticket. Others won't because now Slingshot people are going to court and saying, that earlier law calls us an auto cycle. So it doesn't matter what you call us here and say we need a helmet. And tickets are getting dismissed like this. Some are still being written, but they're being dismissed. Now, you can argue whether you should wear a helmet or not. As you can tell with my hair, I wear a helmet a lot. It just, and I don't own a comb. So it just, I do that with my hair and and walk out. The, um, and I know one of these days it'll wave goodbye, so I'll let it be waving out um here's my point the promise was made before the law therefore the promise will endure and what is a promise god will bless all people through the seed of abraham who's the seed of abraham jesus wow then he goes why then was the law given at all that's a very good question and people would ask that it was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. Elegant sentence that. This law was given to help us behave until our savior came. A law was given through angels. All right. Does that mean heavenly beings were the ones that delivered the law? Sometimes, but you remember Galatians one, he actually does it twice though if an angel tells you another gospel, then he goes, the we, of, or an angel from heaven, and he, he specifies where the angel would come from. The word angel in Greek just means messenger. So you can't read too much into this and just say, that's what it means. It just, just where, however you got it. The law was given through messengers, and we could say angels, prophets, priests, kings, poets, songwriters. That's all true in the Old Testament. The law came to us through all of those and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. So who's gonna stand between us and God and mediate? Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. Dear brothers and sisters, in religious tribes that demand perfection from you, or that demand adherence to a constantly growing set of human-made laws that are cloaked as if they come from scripture and scriptural inference and logic. Hear this. If we could have been saved that way, God would have written the book that way. We would have had the book of worship. This is the way it's supposed to be done. Then we would have had the book of how to raise a child. We would have had the book on how we are to do this, by the way, some religions have those Scientology. Everything has paper law directives written on it in many of our your neighbors that are in Jehovah's witnesses or Mormons. There are a ton of these and God says, if that would have worked, God would have done that. And here's a book of fellowship who you're allowed to fellowship. And are you allowed to fellowship somebody who fellowships you don't fellowship? And there were in graphs. God didn't write the book that way. By the way, that was immensely frustrating to me throughout my entire life. Until I realized he did it on purpose. Not so that we would hunt and peck and only a few be saved. Or trust the preacher. No. It's because he's doing something else now. He did that. He's doing. Before you yell, God changes not. He didn't change the plan a bit. But plans have phases. And they switch to the next phase. I'm building a building. I put scaffolding around it. The building is done to pull the scaffolding down. Patrick changed his mind. No. We're not in a scaffolding phase now. We're in a different phase now. Is that connected? Certainly hope so. Uh, If the law could have been done, he said he would have done it, but scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin. Weird phrase for us. It means a lot of the blessings out there don't seem real to us because of our own sin. We keep reading scripture and condemning ourselves if we're reading it right. You don't read scripture and condemn others. You check yourself. What was promised, given through faith in Christ, might be given to those who believe. So what we tried to earn is gonna be given to us. Wow, gotta love that. Then it goes on. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law. Paul uses some really strong language here. Locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. Now, some of the versions you are reading will use different terms for this, a tutor, perhaps. But all of it is is really the same. I had um, an amazing bunch of teachers through the years in universities that just, unpacked with the realities of of the brain, neuroscience, of psychology, of history. I even remember Dr. Penny, who taught a class on poetry, and I don't actually do poetry, I don't read poetry, I don't get poetry, but I needed an extra class, and that plugged that hole. Amazing guy, amazing guy. I remember Miss Boswell, a high school teacher who taught us Shakespeare for an entire year because that was the kind of high school it was. She really specialized as so she went through. Uh, they, they really got in deep. And I thought Shakespeare was probably gonna kill me. Not with her. Made it come alive, made it have meaning. Now, when I think of Shakespearean quotes or I, I read, I don't really read the plays much, to be honest, but if I'm watching a production, I don't have Miss Boswell with me. Last week in church, Sharon Fields uh, read a poem for us that she'd written, and she, it was a lovely poem, and she did it very well. Um, I, I, I don't have to have Sharon with me when I read that poem. She brought it to us. Now we take it, and we move on. Miss Boswell, Dr. Penny, taught us, but they're not with me anymore. <clears throat> Fact, since I'm 64, odds are they're not on the planet anymore. Because I was just a kid. Is he saying, therefore, sorry, the Old Testament brought us to Jesus. But we're with Jesus now, we can dump it. No. No. That becomes something called super successionism, where God has us now. He's done with the Old Testament. He's done with the Jews. Jews, you know, thanks for playing, but you're out. Gentiles are now crowned. That has been a doctrine taught by, I'm going to guess, the vast majority of churches through time. And it's, it's wrong. God didn't dump the Jews. And the law didn't suddenly become tissue paper, to put it. As graphically as I can, without a warning. Paul, however, puts things a bit more graphically in Galatians. We just don't translate the, the naughty word or two. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll cover it. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. Gotta look at my time here. We're 29 minutes. All right, we're just going to do three. All right, and I'm going to have to admit that I lied because I thought we were going to get into four, and we didn't. So in Christ Jesus, you are all. He didn't kick the Jews out. All children of God through faith. So the law isn't necessary. The law helped us act like children of God. The promise made us children of God. The law just made us act like we're supposed to behave. And come on, we love our kids, but they didn't always behave. But they were still our kids. And that's what he's trying to say. This is. Law didn't make you children and law won't keep you children, but law helps you act like children, children of God. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Well, I, <clears throat> I love my grands for so many reasons, but another, one of the reasons is I see my kids in them. They've clothed themselves. They, they remind me of the kids. God looks at us and he sees Jesus. He didn't see all the dirt in Patrick's life. He didn't see all the issues in Patrick's life. He didn't see all of the the failures of faith and practice in Patrick's life. He sees his son because I have been baptized into Christ. Therefore I have put on Christ. Baptism is extremely important. If you have not been baptized and you would like to be baptized into Christ, please email me. We will do everything we can to get to you or have a trusted friend, get to you. Patrick at oursafeharbor.com. Patrick at rsafeharbor.com. Spell Harbor the American way. No U in there. And he goes further and we'll, we'll end with this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. All of you are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, the Kachinka dolls, if you belong to Christ, then you are also Abraham's seed and therefore through Christ, heirs to the promise. And he's in mid-sentence here, but there's the chapter break. So we're gonna take the chapter break. We'll honor your time as well. We do try to keep this to 30 minutes or so. I know when you used to go to Bible class on Wednesday nights and maybe some of you still do, it lasted a whole hour, but let's admit it, there was a lot of packing in there, movement about devotionals, announcements. You got a lot of stuff to do, and you've been looking at screens for a year and a half, a lot more than you ever looked at screens. But we are a virtual church, and this is our way to come to you. And one of the ways we do—we come to you is through the Monday morning message, which seems to be the most popular message of the week, um, maybe because it's so controversial. and. That would actually make me a little bit of sadness there, but uh, then we have this, and we want to keep this 30 to 40 minutes tops, really close to 30. And then we have our worship. <clears throat> our worship on Sunday uh, was fantastic and it was lovely, and many of you were able to watch it, but YouTube kept going down in several areas, including ours. Therefore, if you look at the count on YouTube, it'll say three or 400 people watched probably closer to one and 1.2 point 1.3 thousand because that's our average our average is 1,000 to 1 to 1,500 it's really in that range we've had them up to 4,000 and we're not really we think YouTube goofed up the count in our favor that way but you look and it will say only three or four hundred people watched. well just be aware we're doing great Your giving has allowed us to do this and our next big move is, um, I'll be literally taking this on the road. Soundstage is still there. Everything is still gonna be produced the way we want to, but I'm gonna be on the road for three Sundays out of the next six or eight Sundays. Um, Middle of May, and then the last Sunday of May, first Sunday in, um, in June. My plan in May, is to let you know my route the day ahead or two days ahead through which state i'm going into texas one route out the other weather permitting here's the thing what i'm doing in texas and central texas is a slingshot rally so i'm driving an open vehicle if it gets stormy and water starts running over the road i gotta park it i'm, I'm i don't have get home itis that kills Uh, bikers and and pilots no but here's the thing please pay attention I might be preaching from a rest area I might be preaching from a national park I might be preaching from a hotel room but I keep asking can I bring in substitutes and and people keep saying no so I want to preach from the road if I can meet you along the way at one of these exits off the interstate or a back road if I'm on one of those I'd love to say a prayer with you you can have coffee. I'll have Diet Coke or something. Um, I'm not opposed to coffee. I just don't like it. Um, or, you know, meet the kids, or if you need to be baptized, why not? We're taking it on the road. First, like I said, to Texas. After that, we're gonna be going to and from Colorado. My wife and I will be together. In a slingshot, she's not gonna be there, but she will fly and meet me in Texas, all right? We're doing that because I don't want to be divorced. (laughs) And by the time I got to Texas, I think the wind and the road and the um, I would be single and that would be a tragic thing because nobody else is going to have me. Uh, So pray for me, pray for Miss Cammie. That happens here in a few weeks. We will see you, however, uh, on Sunday, unless I decide to throw something else up. God bless, cheers.